0: Hi, welcome to the Your Adrenal Fix podcast where we help exhausted and burnt out adults learn the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their health back quickly. My name's Dr. Joel Rosen and I've suffered with my own adrenal fatigue problem and now I've made it my mission to tell the truth about adrenal fatigue so that we can get to the root cause of your problem and really teach you how to put the puzzle pieces together so that you could tap into your hidden energy reserves and have all day energy. So this podcast for anyone who's struggling for years or feeling overwhelmed and burnt out or you're just feeling stuck you're going to get cutting-edge information from all our different guests in different respected health fields to give you those important tidbits of information so that you can actually act on them and improve your health join us for our podcast i know you will enjoy it all right hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of your adrenal fix podcast where we teach exhausted and burnt out men and women the truth about their health and the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their energy back quickly and today i'm joined with a special guest karen martell she's a certified hormone specialist and transformational nutritional coach who specializes in women weight loss and is an expert in this field so i'm really excited to Get your insights, Karen, and welcome so much to our show today.
1: I am super happy to be here, Joel. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, so I'm happy to be here and share my own story of adrenal fatigue.
0: Yeah, well, listen, I'm excited <laughs> for, to hear your story, and that's always a good starting point. So tell us a little bit about your background and why specifically, Karen, you got into women's hormones and weight loss and all of the good stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. So my story began when I had after I had my first child, which I think a lot of women can relate to that. And, you know, I'd lost the baby weight and everything was great, but I was a single mother. I was running my own business. And the stress I think of being a single mother started to take a turn for the worst. And I suddenly started to have all these health problems and it was literally overnight, Joel. It was Like within, I felt like weeks, suddenly I had all of these problems, which was extreme insomnia where I could not sleep at all. I would maybe fall asleep at about four o'clock in the morning for an hour or so. And then my daughter would wake me up. I started having really bad digestive issues where I would look like I was three months pregnant by the end of the day. Every day I was getting food sensitivities where I would get um, hives all over my body I was getting menstrual migraines for sometimes that would last up to 10 days, 14 days at a time where I couldn't get rid of them basically with, without any medication, nothing. It was very, very severe. Um, I was getting horrible PMS symptoms and I was rapidly putting weight on. And that was really like most women, that was where my focus laid was in the weight gain. Like it was all that other stuff was hell and I hated it. But for me to suddenly, you know, and I was a healthy eater, I'd always been really into nutrition. I was doing body work, I, I was a rolfer. I'm sure you know what that is because you're a chiropractor. So I was doing body work on other people. And so I was very health conscious. conscious. And so without changing my diet and exercising still and all of this stuff, I was suddenly putting on all this weight and I was at the heaviest point that I'd ever been. And I did what every woman does, which was I worked out harder. I went, I joined a boot camp. I got myself a personal trainer, was working out six days a week eating, you know, barely anything, calorie counting, trying every diet under the sun. And I mean, every diet, I went through them all because I just kept looking to the diet, to the exercise to solve all of my problems. And it just kept getting worse. And I kept gaining more weight. And I finally decided, and I'm 33 at the time, I'd gone to my doctor. I said, you know, okay, what's happening? I was put on an antidepressant and sleeping pills. Thankfully, the sleeping pills worked for my sleep, but of course the antidepressant didn't do anything except, you know, kill my sex drive and probably make me fatter. So I stopped that <laughs> and decided, okay, I have to figure this out. And I ended up going to a friend of mine who was a naturopath. And I said, do you think I should test my hormones? Cause thinking, you know, I'm 33 as if I'm going to have hormone issues. I just didn't put that together. And he said like, yeah, of course you should. So I ended up doing proper hormone testing, which we can get into, but I, at that time it was saliva hormone testing. And what came back was that my estrogen was quite high in comparison to my progesterone. My progesterone was really low and my DATA was super low. And my cortisol was like flatlined. It was really, really low. So there I was doing everything wrong for what my hormones were telling me at that time. I was working out like crazy. I was starving myself. I was under high, high amounts of stress. And what's funny, Joel, is I never considered myself a stressful person. Like if someone had said to me, oh, it's your adrenals, it's your your burnt out, I would be like, no, I'm not. I'm not a stressed out person because I kind of associated that with like that high, strong person that's just go, go, go. And that was never me now looking back I'm like well yeah here I wasn't sleeping because I had a, a new baby I had no help from her father so it was you know raising my child by myself had been breastfeeding had you know then started exercising like crazy and running my own business and of course I was stressed out but to me and looking around it's like that's what everybody was doing so it seemed normal to me And later I found out I was very hypothyroid. I wasn't converting my T4 to my T3. So there was a big piece of that in there. I had, I was riddled with heavy metals. I had a parasite. So I had all of these things kind of compiled. It was like the perfect storm. And it took a long time for me to get out of it. You know, it took you know, it was quitting all exercise. I had to really look at my life differently, start asking for help. I started doing yoga and I just started to see things very differently. And I came out of that experience going, I can't be the only one that was, you know, that's eating healthy, that's exercising, doing everything I'm being told to do and yet still gaining weight. And I mean, I could have dropped my calories to 500 calories a day and I wouldn't have made any, I wouldn't have lost a single pound. So that kind of projected me into becoming a nutritionist. And then from there, I decided I have to get into the hormone piece because I just kept seeing it over and over and over again in women in this day and age, especially as we go from perimenopause to menopause, there's such little education about what happens to our bodies during this time and the impact that hormones have on your weight Um, if whether it's adrenals, estrogen, progesterone, they're all combined together can have a massive impact on our body and our physiology. So that's how I got to where I am today. And hence the name of my podcast is called the other side of weight loss, which isn't about being on the other side of losing weight. It's about what else is there to losing weight besides calories in calories out and exercise.
0: Right. Well, wow. thanks for sharing your story, Karen. So just a quick side question is how old is your daughter now? 15. 15. And she was your first and only or you had other children? Or? I had
1: other one. Yeah, I had one more. I had a son at 37.
0: Okay, so she was your first child. And yeah. that was 15 years ago. You yes. were 33 years old. And one of the things that I and, and a subsequent child, um, eight years after that, uh, your seven year old. So one of the things that you mentioned, which I think you also corrected it in, in, in your story was out of nowhere, it happened out of nowhere, because I didn't consider myself a stressed out person. And a lot of people will say that, that I work with as well, I say, I'm not under a lot of stress, I got a good family life. But the reality is, it's kind of like wearing a watch around your arm, you're not aware of the band over it. But if you tightened it a little bit, you'd kind of be aware of it. But then over time, you wouldn't be aware of it. And it's one of those things that happen all the time You're, I was going to say like a single mom and the stress of Ralphing is physically enduring and the fact of gestating and building a baby in the belly requires a lot of metabolic energy surplus to be able to get through that and not have any health challenges, miscarriages, knock on wood, a healthy baby, healthy pregnancy. And so that event itself is stressful. And so it's not so much out of the blue. So I think for the listener to to, to really hear that is is that even though you may not think you're under stress, life itself is stressful. And it's like wearing a ring. You're just not aware of it. But when you look back, of course, I'm aware of the, the demands on my body. And then you mentioned about doing some lifestyle stuff, and you didn't even get into the stuff we're going to get into, which I think those are really good ahas for people to listen to, for sure, in terms of yeah, but let's kind of go into, you mentioned a couple things with you did the hormone test. And at that time, it was a saliva test. And you had some good ahas with that in terms of your estrogen compared to progesterone and your cortisol flatlining and your DHEA. So let's kind of take it from there in terms of what did that mean to you then and maybe now and how you've evolved with that piece of the puzzle so that you can guide your, your treatment protocol. Cause I'm sure a lot of women are in that same category, Karen, where they may not have gone through the nutritional school through themselves and they may not have had a receptive doctor that ordered that test and they may have just ordered it on themselves or thinking about ordering it themselves. And much of the same things would happen on their test results. They would see estrogen high compared to progesterone. They would see their cortisol being flatlined from a free fraction point of view, no need to get too elaborate on that. Their DHEA is probably low. and, And now they're like, okay, I'm not losing my weight Kind of go, go through the evolution of how did you construct your game plan?
1: Yeah, that was very interesting, actually, because I got only so far with a lot of it before I had to start digging deeper. And the adrenal piece, yeah, looking back, of course, yeah, I was very stressed out and was doing everything wrong for what that was telling me with the exercise and the eating and having to change all of that was really mentally very hard as a female. And I think as women, we were extremely hard on ourselves when it's, when we can't do everything and then we have to actually start asking for help. I think we have a very, very hard time doing that. And that was a huge lesson learned for me, which was I'm doing this all by myself. I am raising a child all alone with no help from the father that is stressful. And to be able to go out and then ask for help from my sisters and family members and say, you know, could you take my kid for a couple hours or whatever it might be? It was, that was really hard for me and it took a long time. And, and then I, I also realized I was stressed. My thoughts were stressful and the way I was looking at things were stressful. And so that was a really big piece for me too, which was I'm in control of my stress and I have to change the way I see things. And I can either see it as the half, the glass half empty or the glass half full. And I started to finally look at everything at, through the lens of my glass is half full, not half empty. And when I say that, I mean that, you know, something stressful would happen. Like, you know, life is stressful. These things are going to happen, you know? So maybe there was a big financial piece where I remember I had, you know, this great big plumbing issue and it was like $10,000. And at the time I had no money and was like, Oh my God, like super stressful. And I remember driving home and going, like having the heart palpitations and freaking out about it and going, what is that going to do for me? I have to change the way I see this because sitting here freaking out about it and thinking, oh, whoa, me, why is this happening to me? I have such bad luck. And I'm like, that's such crap. This stuff happens to everybody and it's going to continue happening for the rest of our life. We're always going to run into car problems, plumbing problems, house problems where, This is life. And I just had to go, okay, you know what, I can get the money I have, you know, I've got low, I can get a loan, I get a line of credit, whatever, I got a credit card with nothing on it, like I dealt with it, and I decided I wasn't going to stress about it. And I have worked on that for the last 15 years as I've, I've just always been very aware of where my brain is going, where my thoughts are going. Are they stressful? Are they serving me? Or are they making me more stressed out? And having that control was a huge shift for me. The other thing Joel was that I eventually, when I found out about my thyroid problem, And I was doing some more adrenal testing and my DHEA, my cortisol still wasn't great. It was way better than it used to be, but it still wasn't great. And I realized that I had, you know, this slow thyroid that I wasn't converting my T4 into my T3. And then I soon realized my reverse T3 was elevated and that was a huge piece of my puzzle because I was like, you know what? I'm doing really well with my stress in my world. And I really knew that I had been working on everything, my mindset, you know, my lifestyle. I was just doing all the right things that, you know, according to you, Joel, probably. <laughs> I was probably listening to your podcast and doing the things you were telling me to do at that time. And I heard somebody else on a podcast, Brian Walsh, Brian Walsh, I think his name is, and he said about this research paper that he had seen where, you know, people had gone into the hospital with an infection. They tested the cortisol levels. They were low. Then they gave the person antibiotics. And a week later, after the infection had cleared, they went back, they tested the cortisol and the cortisol was back to normal that was the huge aha piece for me because I thought, okay, I've got this reverse T3 problem, thyroid problem. I still have some hormonal stuff. Could there be something else that's You know, feeding into this adrenal issue that I have. And then I went farther and I started, I tested for mold first, and then I tested for heavy metals. And the heavy metals test showed that my mercury and my lead were as high on the chart as it could possibly go. And there's no safe levels of lead in the body. So that was like, oh, maybe this is why my adrenal system just can't quite get it. And I can't prove this. I don't know. I'm still chelation is a very long process. And so I've been working on it for the last couple of years and haven't retested yet. So we'll see, you know, if I can clear out some of these heavy metals, will my thyroid start working properly? And then hence my adrenal system start working properly too. So those were my puzzle pieces. Um, Each of us is very different and we're all going to have these different puzzle pieces that we have to put together to really take a good look at what's going on hormonally for us, because there's almost always going to be something driving hormonal dysfunction.
0: Yeah, let's unpack what you said there, (laughs) because you said a lot. So I I, I was gonna say whoever taught you about that first controlling stress with the way that you think about it is number one, because ultimately, it is what it is. And stressing over it even more than what the reality is, isn't helping things. But at the same time, I could appreciate someone that's listening to this that says, well, I'm already doing that. And I'm, I'm which if they're saying that in a in a confrontational way, maybe they really are not doing it the yeah, exactly. way they should, right? But yeah. a lot of people will say that, like, oh, like, just give me the good information. I, I'm i already doing that. And if that's you and you're watching this, then really revisit that. You can't just pay it lip service. You actually got to intentionally feel it and and know that, okay, I'm, I'm, you're in that uncomfortable angst of whatever that situation is and almost have a breathable, controllable in deflating of it so that it doesn't create that same stress response that causes all the physiological things that we're going to talk about to even get worse and just say, well, tell me the physiological stuff and not work on that because if you don't work on that, the physiological stuff, isn't going to work. So I would, I would say for sure on that. Um, But with that being said, and then making matters more confounded or difficult is mold or heavy metals or microbial concerns and the study that you found out where if they give them antibiotics, there's got to be a GI component. That's where I think a lot of people care and run into problems, right? Because they get so... Fixated on no one's helping me, I got to be my own advocate. I don't have a lot of energy to expend, but I'm going to do it anyways because I want the answers. And it's kind of interesting, I want to lo- learn about this stuff. And then they're just information gatherers, yes, and, and they become like, Okay, well, I have this estrogen thing. I have this cortisol thing. I'm controlling my stress. I just had a baby. I'm asking for help and people are helping me, but then I'm doing heavy metal testing and all these other things. I I guess let's go back to where you're the specialist now in terms of estrogen dominance, the thing that you saw on the test and what that really means for women that may not be in there perimenopausal years yet, they're in their fertility years, and they may want to just have a healthy uh, fertility cycle till they get to perimenopause, or they might be saying, you know what, I at least want to be able to keep my options open now with women and their careers and, and just their situations waiting a little bit longer. So let's maybe delineate that in terms of estrogen and the, the fertility and going into healthy perimenopause and menopause, maybe just sort of unpack mm-hmm. all of that with what you've learned so far.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Estrogen dominance is a very interesting topic that I think most women don't really understand. Um, it is one of the most, you know, it, it is the number one most visited page on my website, which is a blog post about estrogen dominance. And every time I work with a woman, almost it, like 98% of them will tell me, I think I have estrogen dominance, (laughs) you know, if they're in their fertile years, I think I have estrogen dominance and they'll probably even be likely taking D-indole methane, which is a a known uh, supplement that helps to get rid of excess estrogen. So every woman thinks she's got it because of the symptoms, the symptoms, it's like, oh, bad PMS, period, the hips and the stomach. And every woman's going, "Ah, yeah, that's me. But what's interesting is I have done well over a thousand, if, if not thousands of hormone testing now in my career and very few fertile women actually have too much estrogen in their body where they're actually producing an excess of it. In most cases, in fertile women, especially in your thirties, from 35 to about 40, we typically see estrogen dominance, but not too much estrogen just in comparison to progesterone. Because as we age, ladies, if you're not ovulating, which is what happens when we age, we get you know less and less ovulation. When you're not ovulating, you're not producing progesterone from your corpus luteum which is where we produce our progesterone. We can produce it out of the adrenal glands as well. And even out of the spinal cord, which is very odd, but there's, you know, but just small amounts. So we start to see the progesterone dropping quite quickly in our our fertile years, in our later thirties. Even in younger women, we're still seeing this, you know, kind of a depleted progesterone a little bit, but very rarely too much estrogen what we're seeing is a lot of xenoestrogens, which you can't test that. You can't test for like BPA in the blood, in the, sorry, in the urine. But in most cases you can't test, there's no test, there's no blood test to go see how much xenoestrogens do you have. And so on a test, you're gonna see that your estrogen levels are probably pretty normal. And yet all these women are downing supplements that drain their estrogen. And ladies, I will tell you, estrogen is not a bad guy. It is good. It's your number one. She's the queen of all your hormones and you need it because as you age and you start to lose your estrogen, you are going to start to see a lot of complications happening to your health. When you start losing estrogen, it is, it has so much impact on us. So be very careful with what you're doing in that sense and know that it's typically if you're having those symptoms it's typically xenoestrogen dominance that you're going to be dealing with now dim can help you still excrete some of that stuff but really you want to be focusing on detoxification cleaning up your environment from those xenoestrogens and making sure your blood sugar is stable, your adrenal system is stable, all of the eating the right diet. That is what you want to do for your hormones in your fertile years. You don't want to be taking copious amounts of DIM to drain that estrogen, nor do you want copious amounts of progesterone when you're in those fertile years. There's a lot that you can do that is just focused on food, taking the right minerals, making sure that your stress is under control and that you're eating the right diet for what your hormones are telling you at that time. I think that that's also very important to be clear about is there is no one perfect diet. You know, there's some women that, you know, if you've got blood sugar dysregularities, ketogenic diet is going to be great or a carnivore diet might be great. There's some women though that have, you know, bad, you know, really low cortisol, low DHEA. Um, you know, I'm sure Joel talks about this a lot. So, but, you know, low thyroid, then you gotta be really careful. You can't be, you know, fasting every day or eating one meal a day or going carnivore because that's gonna drive that farther into the ground. So you have to be very careful and with what diet you're doing in comparison to what your hormones are doing. And then as we age and we start to get into our 40s, then things start to really shift. Now you're going to get quite estrogen dominant, but once again, only in that sense, not only, but typically in the sense of progesterone is going to drop farther because you're going to really not be ovulating in your 40s. So that progesterone will drop by about 75% in our 40s. Estrogen only starts to go down you know, by about 25%. And then it kind of starts to go on this wild ride where it's going up sometimes and then it's going to crash back down and then it's going to come up. So there's gonna be some months where you're gonna bleed super heavy and then other months where you're gonna be hot flashing and night sweats and having a really light period. And so it starts to, you know, do this up and down thing as you're going into perimenopause. And then it drops completely off the grid typically. And then you're, and yet women still think they're estrogen dominant because of the symptoms they're experiencing. But remember ladies, it is typically that that progesterone is just too low. Estrogen is a growth hormone, which means it helps to make things grow. And so that's your uterine lining. It's gonna help to make that uterine lining and then progesterone comes around and it helps to counteract that growth. Even in breast tissue, it's going to, estrogen doesn't cause breast cancer. It's a growth hormone. If you have cancer cells in your breast, that estrogen can go there and make it grow. Progesterone can counteract the growth in the breast tissue as well. And we can go quite deep into this because there's so much research that really shows about, you know, with hormone replacement and estrogen and breast cancer. And I think there's a lot of fear around that and women just, they've really demonized estrogen and, As you age, ladies, and you start to lose that estrogen, everything starts to fall apart in your body. We have over 800 different functions for estrogen in our body. We need it. And this is where there's so much controversy of whether you should replace it or not replace it. Is it going to cause breast cancer? Is it not? And we can get into whatever, whatever way you want to go here, Joel.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot that you said there. And I think that just to summarize it is that it's the relationship to the hormones in general and not just an absolute number compared to another number and meaning I think a lot of the estrogen dominant definition came out of a lab test versus the doctor school meaning when they did saliva tested they they said okay let's let's d- create a ratio between, estrogen and e1 and e2 and e3 and progesterone and come up with a number and it's not really validated in in research and science but i I get your point and and it's a very good point in terms of ladies it's not so much that you have estrogen dominance and there is instances where that is the case we've seen it and i've seen it but the reality is what does it look like in relationship to progesterone and what makes it even more complicated as well which i'm sure you see this is there's phase one and phase two of estrogen metabolites and so basically how well do we make The fat soluble, water soluble, and then how well do we get the water soluble out of the body? And those, uh, you'll see instances where confounding the information, meaning, you have too little progesterone in relationship to estrogen because of stress and cortisol demands and progesterone having to fill up those buckets instead of, you know, being there for um, reproductive function and, and ovulation and, and all of the above. But what also I find, and maybe you could add to this is, if someone's phase two metabolites are, are very, very fast, which a lot of the times that happens, which means um, when we look at a hormone test, we see that your phase one is 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 upregulated in a sense, and what will happen is that phase two will be very slow. And the example I use is that's kind of like phase one is having a party at your house and then you bring the garbage to the curb or you bring it to the side of the house or you bring it to the back of the house house. That's if we don't metabolize those estrogen metabolites in a good way. So if we're, uh, we're doing it effectively, we're, we're going down a healthy pathway, which can be great if the garbage men remove it from the curb effectively. But if they don't, then what you have is these partially metabolized estrogen Uh, metabolites that can be more disruptive than the actual estrogen that you have. And now it's going haywire. It's like you have um, estrogen that's partially metabolized, that's binding to receptor sites, that's not allowing good estrogen to get in there. And so now you're paradoxically low on estrogen, even though it's high compared to to progesterone, but it's really low inside the cell and you think you're estrogen dominant. So Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. I, 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 and that's you. sort of a complicated <laughs> issue for people. So
1: it is, um, but uh, it's just the point of there's three phases that estrogen has to go through and you just, everybody's just going straight to dim, but that's really going to be in that phase one. And so what if you're not methylating? what if you're not pooping on a regular basis, all of these channels have to be working. So you could be estrogen dominant per se, but only in phase two, or you could not be pooping it out. So there's your phase three, you know, so just, taking a supplement isn't always the answer. Like you really have to look at that big picture and go, okay, which phase phase one, two, or three is my estrogen getting backed up? Is it all three? It it can be. I've seen it. I've seen it where, the person's got horrible digestive system. They're not methylated and they're not getting through that phase one very well. And their estrogen is actually super high. And then you want to, you have to start looking at phase one and two supplementation and fixing the gut. So there is way more to it than it, what it's being told out there. It's it's being being very simplified. Like yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And and just as an aside, I don't know, like this is something that's helped me as well is because on the test that we see how phase two is doing and we look at those ratios and it that's a methylation enzyme, COMT, and a lot of women know, oh, I'm a COMT, I'm slow, so my phase two is slow. Complicating the matters is there's theories that COMT might be actually upregulated and it's clearing that phase to metabolite even quicker. So, but anyways, what, what I would say to you and also what I've learned is it's not only methylation and that's just a, just an aside, not to steal any of, of your thunder. One of the things that I've learned is what are things that deplete methyl groups and to our conversation that you, we had on your podcast, we talked about, uh, oxidative stress, and and your oxygen consumption rate and physical injuries and traumas and chemical exposures and estrogen disruptors and plastics and all of these glyphosates and all of that is going to increase your body's demand to make energy. And one of the main nutrients that we need to power our energy production power plants are B vitamins. And B vitamins are methyl donors. So women might just focus on methylfolate. I have MTHFR, I'm taking SAMI, and I'm doing all these choline and the B, you know, these different things to support phase two and i'm not getting any better i feel ramped up when i take b vitamins that's because you're not addressing the things that are draining your b vitamins and when you take those b vitamins it's not going to estrogen priority of clearing that out it's going to all the other things that it's so far behind on does, does that make mm-hmm. sense
1: yeah 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 i love stuff like that and i'm just as as when we talked on my podcast This is an area that I'm really diving into now, which is the whole minerals and the B vitamins and where we're getting our vitamin C and Bs from and make the importance of magnesium and not putting in too much iron because it's causing more oxidative stress and, and then looking at the genetic piece too, like it's a.
0: A lot Just of moving big, parts. It, there really is. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, but I'll <laughs> tell you, and I agree with you, is is taking the dim or that diendomethane, methane. A lot of women, like number one, did you do it on your own? Did your doctor tell you? Did you do a test to see if your actual phase one is already slow or your estrogen? The parties that you're having at your house, there's no garbage to bring to the curb in the first place, so you don't need to clear it out any faster. I mean, are you doing those types of things? I had a woman that was in her seventies and she was taking DIM, and I didn't even have to ask her because her phase one was like 99% down that pathway and her phase two was very, very slow. And basically I use the example of dim is like, yes, it will help clear out your effect of estrogen or your estrogen that might be going down on unha- unhealthy pathways, the estrogen you're bringing to the curb or to the backyard that may create more problems. Um, it it will bring it to, to, you know, the curb a lot more effectively, but you didn't have a lot of parties and estrogen to bring there. And you're already draining out what you don't have very much of in the first place. I'm sure you're seeing that a lot, right?
1: Oh, I see it all the time in menopausal and perimenopausal women that don't have hardly any estrogen if at any, and they're taking DIM because the doctor functional medicine practitioner told them they should be taking it because it's just this like fix all for things, in the functional world. And I, you have to be really careful. Even it's showing now that anything above a hundred or sorry, 200 milligrams of dim will block androgen receptors. So then now you're not only going to be draining your estrogen that you already don't have, and now you're going to be blocking your androgen receptor, so you're not going to be getting the testosterone that you so badly need. And, and this goes for men too, because DIM is a very popular supplement for men. so it can help them get rid of their estrogen, so they don't get the man boobs, but you take too much, and now you're going to be affecting your testosterone. So just, it's just safe to say ladies, it's you gotta be really careful and don't just go willy nilly it and take any supplement until you see that full picture of what your breakdown of estrogen is actually doing. And remember that estrogen is not the bad guy. You want estrogen. Um, It is a fat loss hormone, which women don't know that. They all think it's a fat gain hormone and yes, too much of it and then not detoxing it will make you gain weight. But without estrogen, you start running into a lot of metabolic issues, which is you can develop insulin resistance because estrogen is needed for glucose transport. We need it for leptin sensitivity. We've got so many estrogen receptors in our brain, and it really can affect leptin. So women can become insulin resistant, leptin resistant, so their cholesterol can go up, all from losing their estrogen. And even in your brain, because we have so many receptors in it, there's a lot of evidence now coming out that shows that women that replace their estrogen uh, for six years or longer with transdermal bioidentical estrogen have a 70% reduction in developing Alzheimer's and dementia. That's huge. And that was a massive study that just came out of Arizona last year uh, showing this. And so we can see that like for something that is not curable, Alzheimer's disease, which is really scary. I got the genes for it. I got both, I got two copies of the APOE4 gene. I'm gonna replace my estrogen until the day I die because I know how important it is for brain function. And so osteoporosis, you will get, develop osteoporosis if you don't replace your estrogen. You'll, heart disease, estrogen is extremely heart protective when you take it transdermally, not when you take it orally because then it'll increase your risk of heart attack and stroke if you take it orally. So estrogen's got this bad rap. We have to be very careful and we have to pick and choose our battles when it comes to perimenopause and menopause and know that you can't supplement your way out of the loss of ovarian function and the loss of these hormones. And that is where bioidentical hormones can come in and they can be used to replace these very vital missing hormones in for our health and the same goes for men as well you guys start to lose your testosterone not all of men but a lot of men will start to lose their testosterone as they age and there's things that you can take to help prevent that that's going to be great you always want to make sure you got the healthy diet going on and taking all the you know watching your stress levels because I think actually number one to get through menopause and even testosterone deficiency in men, number one is you have to watch your stress levels before anything else, because if you don't, you will be hit so much harder with those symptoms than if you weren't watching those. Right. So for the men
0: to get through menopause or andropause, right. They have to watch their stress levels. But I would say like one of the examples is that ultimately, yes. And we'll, we'll talk about the, the need to replace your estrogen and what exactly you meant by that in in a moment. Mm -hmm. But as far as for men, like I know that what they'll do is they'll take the dim because uh, or estrogen blockers because they're taking massive amounts of androgens and they don't want that to aromatize and convert into estrogen. And you know, the analogy I use on that, the analogy is this, I used to have buddies that would really come up with amazingly clever ways to cheat for a test, you know, like put the the notes on the bottom of your shoe and, you know, do all these things that they were doing to beat the system. And when you're working that hard to beat the system, that same work can be channeled constructively to work with the system so that you don't actually have to come up with these things to, to beat the system because the system's there to work with you, and I and I think this is the same thing with hormone optimization uh, in terms, Karen, in terms of do the fundamental things. I mean, obviously, everything you yes. talked about in terms of how you process stress, what 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 power do you give on it um are you know that perceived stress can make it a lot worse than what it actually is are you are you in asking for help in, mm-hmm. and 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 embracing a community support like system are you getting good healthy nutrients which we'll talk about here now in supplementation and when you do that then the things the deficiencies the inflammatory responses the the stress levels all of those things lower the enzyme breakdown that causes the extra aromatization in the first place. So it's just like, to me, it's like, well, it's the lazy man works twice as hard, right? And, and if yeah. you just would have done the work initially, you would have fixed it. But the question I have for you, because the other thing that happens is, estrogen foods, soy and and other things that can be phytoestrogens that can be actually very healthy in a meal. They also get a bum rap because of estrogen dominance and xenoestrogens. Um, I guess this is more of a a colleague to colleague question, but are are you finding that when you make recommendations for people that women that have very low estrogens that you're not necessarily wanting to go on transdermal replacements are you seeing those numbers come up with foods and healthy fats and bile support and gallbladder and emulsification to be able to boost those levels with increased amounts and targeted foods or it's only hitting a window and you're not getting to the levels that you want to get to?
1: So what I've seen over and over again is those interventions where you're using phytoestrogens and there's some amazing supplements like black cohosh and chaseberry and vite, which is also vitex, um, uh, sage, dong quay. These are amazing phytoestrogens, flaxseed, flaxseed's the Flax. number one, most phytoestrogen food. And it is so good for you because these things all react on what's called the beta receptor, the Estrogen beta receptor, which is just a softer estrogen uh, signaling. There's alpha, there's beta, we need both, but beta is the less harsh of the estrogen receptors. So um, it works so, so well for it when you're in your 40s, you're hitting that perimenopause. Remember, I said that estrogen starts to go on the wild ride. That is the time when you start using these phytoestrogens and the foods, and you're going to make sure that you've got your, like you said, like the good fats coming in, because that's, what's going to help you to make those hormones. You're going to support your adrenal system. You're going to eat the right food. You're going to exercise. You're going to do all of those things. And it's really going to help. And those things will really help as well when you're in your fertile years, in your 20s and 30s, taking things like Vitax. Oh my gosh, amazing. I've seen p- women's progesterone just skyrocket just by taking Vitax. Which works, is the
0: same as Chase Berry?
1: Which is the same as Chase Berry. Yeah. Right. Amazing. And I've seen women in their 40s who are riddled with perimenopause symptoms. They're hot flashes. I was one of them. I started going into menopause at an early age, started having hot flashes and night sweats and waking and and all of these problems. And of course, the hormone specialist has this has to happen to me, right? (laughs) And taking a really good menopause supplement and watching the food I was eating. It did wonders for two years. It was all I had to do. And I see this constantly with my clients and my members as well, where I can make these recommendations. They do amazing. And then it's like it all stops working. It may be like those black cohorts, you know, the flax, the soy can help a little bit with those symptoms. But basically once your ovaries stop producing hormones, which happens to each and every one of you women. It will happen. It's inevitable. It happens to every single one of us. At that point, you cannot diet or supplement your way back into hormones. You just can't. You have to have those things as a foundational piece. You know, it's same with the man. It's like, you know, when you're in your thirties and forties, you shouldn't be running off to a testosterone clinic and getting testosterone replacement. No, there's so much you can do to bring back your testosterone levels before going down that road. Because as soon as you start replacing, that's going to replace your own production and you're going to stop producing it. So it will have a replace it'll, It's literally replacing. So you don't want to go down that road until you have to. But when you're at an age, men or women, where you are just simply not producing it anymore, then if you are suffering, even if you're not, I still believe in the benefits of bioidentical replacement because of what the research shows us. The and this research,
0: is, this is um, transdermally.
1: This is transdermal. You can take um, bioidentical progesterone orally. Um, it is, it mostly converts into the metabolites when you take it orally, but estrogen always transdermal. And same with testosterone always transdermal.
0: When you say transdermal, um, like through a skin, through the lotion, through some kind of or something like that.
1: I don't know. I don't like trochees. Trochees, it will get down into your body. And so you're, it'll go through the first hepatic pass of the liver. And we don't want that. So I don't like a testosterone or estrogen trochees. You can right. do progesterone, but not. I really don't think I've seen women's right. lots of bad stuff. Estrone goes out which is a more inflammatory estrogen when you're taking it orally. So none of that transdermal so cream on your skin, um patches, estrogen patch, shots, some women do shots, uh vaginal suppositories, those are the main the safest ones that you can take. There is some bioidentical oral estrogens now on the market. I still, nope, (laughs) even though it's bioidentical, it's not horse from horse, pregnant horses anymore, but still you have, no, never, ever take it orally because why would you when it's, when you can get it transdermally and it's that much safer and then it's identical to what your body produces. And so the research shows us that women that replace their hormones for at least 10 years post-menopause have a 30% reduction of all-cause mortality. So that's pretty big. And so you can't eat or supplement your way out of it. You have to have those as foundational pieces to take on the hormones. When you, if you do decide to replace them, you want to make sure that all those pathways are up and running, because if not, you could start slapping on all this estrogen And if you're not methylating or you don't have that phase one proper, or you're not pooping every single day, you could then gain weight from it or have adverse side effects from it. And that goes with any hormone too. I've seen women even with progesterone where they don't feel well on it. So you really want to prepare your system for it, but I definitely have found that you can't phytoestrogen your way out of it in most cases and if you're suffering with those symptoms and and you, sometimes they may not may not be outward symptoms joel they can be internal where you some women will be like i'm not i don't have any hot flashes i feel great i haven't gained any weight i haven't had my period for years but what's happening on the inside like is the cholesterol going up are they getting insulin resistance are they going to get osteoporosis Um, we've got estrogen receptors on every organ of the body. So it can affect how everything is running. It affects your immune system, your gut health, your adrenal health, brain health. It just, it just goes on and on. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and obviously the adrenal connection is depending on how much wear and tear and stress and whether you're conscious or not, it's still happening. But a lot of the times you you have a, a past history that would make an amazing bestseller in terms of a book you can't even think of, right? Like with marriages and a house burning down and post-traumatic this and, and that and then mold yeah. and whatever it is if your body's been under so much stress and now you're heading into the twilight years and the well not twilight but the sunset if you will of that reproductive system then the adrenals are burdened with the task of picking up the slack yes. and it really depends on how much wear and tear is going to necessitate for you to decide, okay, I'm going to do the foundational things. I'm going to reduce my oxidative stress. I'm going to breathe through this. I'm going to enlist with my support system. I'm going to get my circadian rhythm aligned. I'm going to stabilize my blood sugar. I'm going to compress my time window. I'm going to do all these things and then decide, okay, maybe I need to support this. So I guess that's the shades of gray where, what do you use Karen in terms of Is there an absolute benchmark level, uh, like in terms of you see this number and you gave it a certain shot and it just never got above there? When do you make that call with that shade of gray where you don't want to be too early and say, let's push it and give you these bioidentical transdermals before you really, no matter what, have to put those other things in place? But how do you know, decide at that point, Okay, let's make that next leap because it's not obviously getting us to that next level?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a very individual thing because some women are hit way harder than others. You know, if had somebody looked at my hormone levels at 42, they would have said, oh, you're fine. You got lots of estrogen, you got progesterone, you're doing just great. But yet I was hot flashing and I'm like, I'm dying. Like it was terrible. It was all day long, night sweats. And I could feel that my period was starting to go missing. Like I had all the symptoms of estrogen deficiency and my follicular stimulating hormone was going up. And I've been relying more and more on that marker because follicular stimulating hormone is telling your ovaries to make estrogen, and so it it will continue to go up for the rest of your life unless you replace your estrogen. So your brain will tell your ovaries forever to make estrogen, and the higher it goes, it seems like the more weight women will gain and the more symptoms they start to have. Now, this isn't to everybody; it's very complex, but just general when I see that that is going up and it matches with the symptoms that that person's telling me. So maybe they've gained sudden weight gain without changing their diet. They're emotional, inst- you know, unstable. There's sex drive. That's one of the first things to go. Same with insomnia. Like women will say, I can't sleep anymore. I've got no sex drive. My my vagina's drying up, you know, like what's happening. And a doctor would look at her estrogen levels and probably say, Oh, you're just fine. You're just right where you should be. The range for estrogen is in Canada is 250 to 2000. So that's ridiculous. So there's some women that I say are more estrogenic. I'm very estrogenic. Always have been. You look at even my genetic profile and it shows that I'm more estrogenic. So there's some women that are more androgenic and then there's others that are more estrogenic and those estrogenic women really need that estrogen. So they are the women that a slight dip and then a slight raise in that FSH and they've gained 20 pounds and they're, they're complete train wreck. So for somebody like that, I'm not going to say, Hey, wait till you're done your period. Cause a lot of physicians will say, we're not going to replace your estrogen until you are in menopause, which is one year without a period. But my thing is, is why are we waiting till a woman's in a hot mess with 20 pounds overweight and you know, her marriage is in the toilet and said, no sex drive, can't sleep. No. And she's done all the supplements. She's done the diet. She's done the exercise at that point, then, Oh my gosh, give her some estrogen and progesterone. And so, because it's instantaneous, like women will text me and be like, can it seriously be this fast? And I'm like, yes, that's how fast it can work. It can be overnight that you feel better. And that, you know, I remember one woman, she was like one weekend, I have her testimony on my website. She's like, I can feel the juices flowing in my vagina, Karen. And it's like, woo-hoo, you know, and she was so happy. And so if it's like that, if you're that person, then don't wait Because you're being told that you need to wait one year to, without a period to be in menopause, like take control of your health. You don't have to suffer, go get the help that you need. And then there's some women that they just need to manage stress and their blood sugar and they can go into menopause maybe a year, two years. And then maybe they'll say, okay, maybe I'll start replacing my hormones just for health sake, they don't have a lot of outward symptoms and those women tend to be more androgenic typically and so it's it's very different for each person but just know that you don't have to suffer and if you have done all those foundational pieces then look into replacing the hormones if you are suffering because some women they can become suicidal they can it can be really really a terrible time and ladies this can be one of the best times of your life. So don't cheat yourself of that. Don't be like, oh, I don't, I'm going to tough my way through this and tough my way through menopause. And I don't want to do bioidentical hormones. That's not natural. Well, it's not, it's also not natural to lose all of your hormones. What it does to you is can be terrible and can take away your vitality and you can have the best years of your life at this time, especially with your partner. I think it can be amazing. But if neither of you have hormones and you're losing your, your marvels, it's not fun. And so just know that you don't have to suffer.
0: Yeah, no, it's some really amazing things in there. And just to summarize that, Karen, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. As far as summarizing that, What I look at is the old way and the new way, right? So the old way for a lot of women is to take the dim, I'm estrogen dominant, just get it out of me and that doesn't work, right? (laughs) Or the old way is just take these hormones and let's restore them to your your biological age in your prime and let's not look at the mechanics of everything else as to why they got there. Maybe they're not clearing out effectively in phase one, two, and three and figuring out where along the way they need to be supported. We're not going to focus on your stress levels or your your support system or your circadian rhythm or your diet or your blood sugar. We're just going to reductionistically give you this and then play whack-a-mole. And when a test comes back, we'll give you more or when a test comes back, we'll give you less because that's not going to cut it. And the reality is, is you need to work with someone that understands these things and doesn't just say, oh, I'm a functional medicine doctor, an anti-aging specialist, and all they do is give you hormones. Um, The other thing I kind of want to unpack too, because it might've been confusing for a woman to to listen, is that if you're more estrogenic versus angiogenic, it doesn't necessarily mean you have more estrogen hormones. It just means that you have dysregulated metabolism or functioning of estrogen to what we've talked about earlier, where you may not be clearing it out in phase one, two, and three effectively, you have partially metabolized the relationship to progesterone is not in, a, in an ideal balanced system, which is putting more pressure on your cortisol. And ultimately, what it comes down to what I like to say, it's a demand and supply thing, you have more demand than you do supply, you don't have the minerals, the B vitamins, the proteins the enzymes to run the system at what you need to and your body's going to take really important considerations as to allocating where do they go and guess what takes the black seat you know is reproduction right i mean you're not going to add to your house i say you're not going to add another wing to your house when you know you don't have any extra spending money to do that you're you're just going to use that towards Buying groceries and, and making sure that you're, you're maybe contracting versus expanding. So awesome information. And I really like the reminder to Karen in terms of what a doctor does is they ask their patients or that what a health coach and a, and a nutritional specialist. Or functional medicine provider does is they ask their patient, tell me about your life. What's going on? What, what has been going, you know, what did you get? How'd you get here? You you know, and what are all the things going on for you and how are you feeling? And tell me about the impact it's having on you and give me real life examples of, of how this is going. And then let me actually look at your blood test to see if they, or, or saliva or urine test to see if these correlate. And then of course, The LH and the FSH, if those numbers are elevated, it means that that brain, I use the LH, FSH, TSH, ACTH, all of those pituitary hormones are jockeys to the horses. And if those horses are running slow, those jockeys are really whipping them to run faster. So you'll see be high, LHB high, and the same thing for males with hypogonadism and same thing for females where your, 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 your boys or your girls, they're not working at the level they used to. And the jockey's telling them to run faster. That might be a good time for you to realize that it's time to support you. Just curious in Canada, are you working alongside other doctors that you can get access to these transdermals? Are you able to predict how do you do that for your clientele?
1: Yeah, so I typically most of my clients are actually in the States. um, And I find that I will give my recommendations. And I'll usually tell them to first take them to the primary physician. Because a lot of the time, doctors are not ever trained in bioidentical hormone therapy or in menopause in medical school. So they typically have no clue. They're, they're running on old evidence about bioidentical hormones and, or not bioidentical, sorry, hormone replacement therapy, which came from the horse. Um, that that's their knowledge about it. So a lot of the time they can go to them and say, this is what I would like to do. I'm suffering. I want to try bioidentical hormones. And a lot of the time the doctor does get on board If they don't, then yes, I have physicians all over the United States and Canada that I work with that do the prescribing for me, um, and that will work with me when I'm working with clients in the United States, you guys can get most things actually over the counter. I don't typically recommend that as your first go-to, I always want somebody to be under the care of their physician first. Um, If that physician isn't willing to do it, that person doesn't have money to go to, you know, a hormone clinic, which they can be pretty pricey, then, you know, I'll have them do some things like go and have a pelvic ultrasound done, go and have your thermography done on your breasts, you know, we'll do blood work, we'll test the hormones and we'll watch you carefully, we'll prepare the body And then they can buy them over the counter from only a couple. I only have a couple companies that I've researched and that I've seen have really good quality products. Um, I have uh, my own in my own shop, a couple of them, like, you know, progesterone, DHEA, pregnenolone. Um, there's a couple couple companies that do have estrogen as well um, that works really well so i i have had to turn to that sometimes um because it, somebody can't afford to see the hormone clinic or doctor and some hormone doctors are actually not doing a very good job they're doing you know pellet therapy they're right. um, you know the even testosterone clinics for men it's overdone in the way they're doing it is is not in a very safe way for men so i yeah i have my ways joel yeah i know that's
0: your <laughs> creator you know, know and yeah. it makes it a lot easier in today's day and age and i think that it's you know i'm always team patient see who you can go to and have your doctor if they're on board Um, I don't know the actual recommended doses. Do you have that listed on your site or in terms of what the ideal, if you are to get uh, uh, go this route and do transdermal hormone replacements and optimization, what a starting point would be on that at all?
1: No, and I I don't publicly say that um, because each of us is different and it's going to take something different. There's some women, I've known women that have done was called physiologic restoration of hormones because that's what they needed to feel their best. And that's, you know, levels of 20 milligrams of estrogen a day, which most doctors would just die if they heard that. But I see some women flourishing on that high amount. Right. I would, I don't recommend that personally because I can't, if I can't control it and be monitoring them, then I want them to go see a doctor that does physiologic restoration. But, um,
0: then individualized very, very yeah,
1: individual, and that's yeah. where you also have to be very careful. So I educate women on this. This is what I do is right. I provide women with education, I provide them with reference ranges where it's like, okay, if your FSH is above 10, you know that it's probably time to start replacing, especially if it's above 20. We want to get it down below around 20, but really it comes down to how you're your feeling. symptoms. How you're yes. Cause yeah. every awesome. one of us is going to be different.
0: Right. That's awesome information. Thank you so much for sharing all of your insight as far as, I mean, I, we can talk about so much, but I want to kind of get your insight on um, we call this podcast. We've gone back with different iterations <laughs> that were your adrenal fix. And uh, I like to know you definitely had your own health challenges And perhaps there were some roadblocks or setbacks or plateaus or even not even that, uh, Karen, but maybe you have all this amazing new information that along with those other things that I just mentioned, these amazing hacks or really clinical pearls, I like that word clinical pearls, are, are things that you yourself could have implemented to maybe avoid some some trials and tribulations or leapfrog you a lot further and faster. Um, What would the sage like Karen tell? I always say the bright eyed and bushy tailed Karen um, about stress and the impact it has on your health and any things you've learned along the way.
1: I think number one would be testing. Honestly, because there's so much overlap between the symptoms of hormone imbalance. And as we talked about in today's discussion, every woman thinks she's got um, estrogen dominance. And also, everybody thinks they have adrenal problems and they just start downing the next best adrenal supplement. Without actually knowing, do you have too high, too low? Do you have just dysregulation? Is it due to hypothyroidism? That there's so many moving parts to it that you cannot know unless you test. And so you can do so much harm without the testing. I really believe that, and I see it over and over again, where these people are just willy-nillying their supplements, and and it's like no. And I wouldn't have ever guessed. I have was in, 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 adrenal insufficiency ever. And I suffered for so long. And had I just gone and tested my hormones, which nobody would have told my, my 33 year old self, then I could have saved a lot of issues. Even with my thyroid, I suffered for years and years and years with an underactive thyroid because nobody tested it properly. And it wasn't till my naturopath insisted that I do the full panel. Cause I was like, no, no, I've had my TSH done. I've had my free T4. And he's like, do the free T3, do the antibodies. And lo and behold, he phones me up and he's like, how are you even walking around your teeth? Your T3 is so low. Right. You know, like it just, even do the test. The first, just yeah. the testing, I think it's, it's invaluable and I understand that it can be a, a pricey thing to do but save the money for it. It's worth it to get that big picture of what's happening with your hormones. You can't test cortisol through blood work. I'm sure you've talked about this lots. It's just not accurate. We need to see this full picture to really be able to help somebody.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I would say a couple of add-ons just to that is don't test everything, right? Test the things that are the most important, because if you do say those heavy metal testing, the lead testing, and you have all this information, start with the most important stuff. That's blood work and hormones and kind of go from there and work with someone that's great. And then the other point is don't just treat the test, right? Because you're treating Karen who came out with this test and it was a day in the life of her and it doesn't represent everything and there's no real standardized answer for everyone that this is the way it needs to be. So it's, it's a, it's a more of a a lighthouse of, okay, we get some insight. We're not just, you know, hook, line and sinker on this result has to be this way, but at the same time, I need the test. And that comes back to, to balance in terms of you don't want too much of something. You don't want too little of something. You want to be able to have the, just the perfect right amount of that. And that means the perfect amount of testing, the perfect amount of reliance on the information on the test, the perfect amount of, doing things in your life that has nothing to do with any of that I mean there's so many balance so as far as getting in contact with you and and seeing you on the internet uh, I'm sure most people have already heard of you but just for the listeners that you may be new for um, how do they get in contact with you Karen and and your podcast you mentioned and your socials and your website why don't you tell our listeners where to find more information about what you
1: do yeah, so I'm on karenmartel.com. I've got a great hormone quiz, which is a really great place for people to start. It's just a general, of course, it's just a quiz, everybody. It's not a test, but it will give you some understanding of if there is hormonal imbalance possibly causing your weight loss resistance. That's what the quiz is about. And then it'll give you a little ebook about put that possible imbalance and then you know give you information on on proper testing and I give you a two-week uh meal plan that is a carb cycling, calorie cycling meal plan um, to optimize your hormones and your metabolism. So that's a great place to start. My podcast is The Other Side of Weight Loss. We're rated as one of the top weight loss podcasts um, of 2021. We were in the top 20, Um, always in the top 100 on iTunes, over 200 episodes, and Jules is going to be coming out soon, which is awesome. Yep. Uh, (laughs) And where else? Oh, and then on social media, I'm at Karen Martell Hormones. And it's
0: K-A-R-E-N-M-A-R-T-E-L, right? Yep. Yep. Awesome. And you have that funny Canadian accent I can hear (laughs) in there as I hear that. So awesome. (laughs) Well, listen, I I appreciate your help. And I love that you're getting all that stuff you just mentioned in terms of the quiz, the results, the diet, that's all free that they can get. Yep.
1: Yep. Everything's free. Awesome.
0: I'll post the links in in my social so they'll be able to get access to that. And I definitely wish you a uh, continued success. I I know that our paths will continue to cross and Um, I look forward to catching up next time, but thank you for spending your time with us today, Karen, and I look forward to seeing the success that you have for yourself and for your clients in the
1: future. Thanks so much, Joel.
0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of your Adrenal Fix podcast where our goal is really to teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their energy back quickly. And if you happen to be suffering with your own exhaustion and fatigue based problems and you're not getting answers and you're frustrated and you're concerned and you really want to get back to the things that you're not able to do, then maybe it's time for you and I to book a discovery call if that makes sense to you or what we talked about makes sense to you then this is an opportunity for you and I to troubleshoot and figure out what's going on in your body what's not working what have you tried how's it impacting you most importantly figure out where you want to go with your health and why you're not able to bridge that gap and if I feel I can help you and all the things that you need to be doing I can recommend to you, I'll let you know, and if I don't know, I'll tell you that too. But my goal is for you to leave this call with a step-by-step game plan to learn how to bridge that gap and get your life back quickly. If I feel I can help you, I'll tell you what that will look like to work together. However, there's no obligation to do any further work and there's no charge for the call whatsoever. It's just really a one-on-one time for you and my team member or myself to get true, Value out of what's not working with your health and what are you missing in order for you to make that next step if that makes a lot of sense to you then go ahead and go to www.adrenalfatigueworkshop.com all one word adrenalfatigueworkshopcom forward slash apply now spacing is limited. And it's a first-come, first-served first basis, and you have to be willing to, to make that next step to get your health back or at least be serious about it. If we feel we can help each other, just go to www.adrenalfatigueworkshop.com forward slash apply, and I look forward to giving you value and getting you your health back.